0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Thus begins once again my seven-month end-of-season and off-season campaign to try to get you all to switch over to Roto Leagues. I know it might not work. In fact, I know it almost definitely won't work on a vast majority of you, but if I can even peel off 5% of my wonderful, lovely listeners and viewers, whether you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or watching live on YouTube, to come on over and join me in the Roto universe, then it's a job well done by me. I know, I know. You know what I haven't done in a while, actually? I haven't started a show by saying, let me talk to you for a minute about So today we're doing it. Let me talk to you for a minute about playoff leagues and how much I detest them with every fiber of my being. I hate them. I hate them so much. We work so hard all season long to have the best pickups and the best draft picks and great uh, streaming ideas and rest-of-season plays and injury substitutions and attacking different categories and then it can all go up in flames on a wet spot. That's it. That's all it takes. So, let me talk to you for a minute about head-to-head playoff leagues. I hate them, and I think you all should switch to Roto. And here's why. I get, this, I get this question a lot when I put it out there into the basketball universe. Dan, why do you keep ranting and raving about Roto? What is it about, why do you keep telling us to switch over? Because I've tried it and I found it boring. You know what I find boring? I find it boring that every year on April 15th, I look back at the season because we do our lessons learned episodes of the offseason and... You know, I go through some of my lessons. Don't draft injured players. We do that one every single year. We'll do it again this year for anybody that hadn't heard it before. And I look at my head-to-head team to try to find what the lessons learned were. And I'll say, you know, a little tweak. Uh, I think I need to be more careful with drafting players on obvious tanking teams. So like the Spurs... Would have been one where I ended up with one or two Spurs. You guys knew I liked Keldon Johnson this year. It didn't pan out because he sucked, but also now he's getting rest days. But it always comes back to the same damn thing, which is, well, you know, had a good team, but five guys got hurt during one playoff week, and that was just the end of it. Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe I got lucky one year, and I played against a team that had Five guys go down in a playoff week. I will never forget, and I feel like this happens to a lot of us, anyone that's ever had Kyle Lowry on a head-to-head playoff league never forgets. You never forget the guys that kill you. But then, like with Lowry, it's always been the same thing. He always plays himself into an injury because his idiot coaches don't get him out of the game fast enough, and then he ends up with whatever nagging injury that, that knocks him out come... Fantasy playoff time. And here we are again, by the way, on the Lowry front. But he got knocked out much sooner. Not the point. Point is, I've talked about this on the show before. It was a couple seasons back where I had an absolute unbeatable juggernaut of a head-to-head. It's kind of a points leaguey team. It's, a, it's the league I've talked about sometimes where it's 11-cat, so it's a volume league. And I was just steamrolling. I mean, no one was going to touch me. And on top of everything else, I'm fairly certain that I had a bye week in the playoffs. So I had set myself up. I had made all my moves the week before my playoffs began uh, to maximize games played. And, you know, I, I rolled into the week and Monday was fine. I think I lost someone. I feel like maybe it was Bruce Brown. Is that a possibility? So I replaced him on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, Trey Young turned his ankle. He'd been unbelievably durable the whole year. I think he'd missed like three games the first five months of the season. And then, bam Turned little baby ankle. Floater landed on somebody's foot. Trey Young out for one week. Exactly one week. He would have been back by the very next week. Zach Levine, I think he went into protocols around that time. So this was during COVID. This was either the first—wouldn't have been the first year. It would have been maybe 2021— Zach Levine out, COVID protocols. He's out for a week. Uh, let's see, what else happened? Then I had like, so so Trey I was able to put in in IL. I wasn't going to drop Levine, so I was going to take a couple zeros there. But I had already replaced Bruce Brown. And then there was someone else on my team that I had planned on replacing because their schedule their schedule got lighter after Tuesday. So I'd use like two moves by Wednesday. I'm fine. Uh-oh, two of my key guys are out. I've already used two moves And then all of a sudden, the whole thing came apart. Three guys on my team all got hurt on Wednesday. And I literally didn't even have enough roster moves to replace them. And my juggernaut team that was running away with the league, just done. On an ankle tweak, a COVID protocol, and three fringy guys all getting hurt at the same time. And the guy that I picked up, I'm fairly certain to to replace Bruce Brown that year, also got hurt. I had six small injuries in the same week. Done. And then people are like, oh, well, fantasy parallels reality. No, that's actually not true. That's actually not true because guess what? You know whose season didn't end when Trey Young went into protocols? The Hawks. Or, sorry, Trey Young tweaked his ankle. The Hawks. They were fine. They went like 1-2 and two in the games he was out, and then they continued on into a playoff run. Would he have played on that sore ankle if it was his actual postseason? Yeah! He would have. And that's the thing when people are like, oh, well, this you know, fantasy parallels reality. No, it doesn't! Because these are our playoffs, and it's their inconsequential regular season week. They're playing the long game during our short game. It does not parallel. We care way more about games on March 9th than they do. That's an old adage in sports betting. If you care more about the outcome of a ball game than the players involved, it's a bad bet. And that's how I feel about playoff head-to-head leagues. It's a bad bet. We care so much more about a game with... 15, 20 games left in the regular season. The players don't give a crap about this game more than any other. So they're going to have... Oh, my back is a little bit sore. I'm going to take this one off. I'll play two out of my three games this week. But if it was their playoffs, they'd have played through that. So it's not their playoffs, but it is ours. So no, reality does not parallel fantasy in this case. And then people are like, oh, well you know, if you have a couple injuries on your team, your team should lose. What? Why? Based on this one week, if I had all of those guys go out for me in January instead of March, you know what would have happened? I would have lost one week during my regular season, 7-2 to or something like that, and then I would have been fine the rest of the year. It should not matter specifically when a player turns an ankle In your league. This is why you should come to Roto. I know you guys are going to say, Dan, I'm going to miss trash talking with my buddies. You know what? Trash talk with your buddies in Roto if you're blitzing them. You know what the ultimate trash talk is? A trophy. Beating some friend of yours from the office 5-4 to on February 4th or whatever. That's not good trash talk. Oh, I really got you right before the trade deadline, Tom. Oh, man, John, you really got me. Right after Christmas, you really got me. You know when you can talk trash? At the end of your Roto League when you were like, I had the best team all season long. You guys all suck. You guys want to come take my money? Come take my money next year. And then you don't have to worry about somebody coming in with this garbage team that doesn't belong in the same stratosphere as your well-oiled built well machine in the playoffs and knocking you off. Because three of your key guys all had tiny little baby two-game injuries at the same time. A two-game injury wrecking an entire fantasy season. That doesn't happen in Roto. A long-term injury is terrible in both, as it should be. If you have someone on your team who gets hurt and misses two months, it's going to dramatically impact your fantasy basketball team. If you have someone on your team that gets hurt and misses two games in December, in both formats, it doesn't impact your team all that much. But if you have someone on your team that slips on a wet spot on March 8th, or gets hit in the thigh, or turns an ankle, or lands on a foot, or someone's underneath them on a three-pointer. In early March, and they have to miss a week, or however long it's going to be, you know what format that doesn't hurt you that much? Roto. Because Roto is all about the aggregate total. Kevin Durant's not a great example, because he had a sprained MCL, he already missed eight weeks this year. That's been painful on both sides, Roto or head-to-head. Same with Brandon Ingram. He's been insufferable in in all formats right now. But Luka's actually been relatively healthy this year. So it's kind of dumb. Not kind of. It's extremely dumb that Luka Doncic, who's played in 57 of his team's ballgames this year, is now going to be out for whatever it is, a week, with a thigh issue. And if you're in head-to-head, it ends your season. If you're in Roto, you can be like, ah, what a shame. Well, at least I got 57 games out of him first, and I'll get whatever he does when he comes back. Because an injury, when an injury happens, shouldn't really matter. It shouldn't. That's dumb luck. Everybody gets hurt during a season. You can't predict when a guy's going to turn their ankle. You can try to predict whether a player is going to miss a very large number or a much smaller number of games. Absolutely. That's important for both formats. Total number of games played is critical in both formats. But this whole, like, we just have to get lucky and our tweaked ankles have to come in January and not in March thing with head-to-head is so dumb. It's so dumb. So come join me in Roto next year. We're all going to have a real blast together when we take other people's money and we don't have to sweat it so much. And there's so much strategy, by the way. Everybody's like, oh, Rona, you just, like, set it and forget it. No, not at all. Every little tiny move you make matters because you're trying to squeeze out ROI and rebounds and blocks, whatever it is, because you're looking at this giant board of everybody's numbers and thinking, where can I actually get a couple of extra points here? Get over the hump. I love trash-talking buddies after I take their money. You know what? I don't love trash-talking buddies after a random week in the middle of December. All right, let's talk about yesterday's card. Angry though I may be on it. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S. We've got our two parter today. As usual, we'll be breaking down yesterday's results from Wednesday, kind of a medium Wednesday. We'll also take a look at the streaming board today. That'll be available. in visual form, to our pals watching live over on the YouTube side. I hope that everybody on the recorded pod side is is thinking, at least, about giving our YouTube channel a chance. That's youtube.com slash sportsethos. Sports, you know how to spell that. E-T-H-O-S, sportsethos, over at YouTube. If you're watching live on YouTube right now, please drop a like on the show. And please subscribe to our YouTube page as I continue to try to do this type of BS every damn day. We're having a good time while we're doing it. Let's break down some games here. I had a long show-opening rant, so we'll move a little quicker on the card. Atlanta beat Washington 122-120. Big fantasy notes on this ballgame. John Collins got some of his minutes back from Sadiq Bey in this one. Probably going to be a timeshare. Collins is still the guy between those two that I would prefer to have, They are each, and you can actually roll a couple other names into this mix as well, Uh, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, even Okongwu to a certain degree. These guys are probably all falling into the schedule stream bucket right now, which for those uninitiated, schedule stream is a guy you're playing on the head-to-head side when they have an enviable schedule coming up, meaning a lot of games in not that many days, and what we talk about during the second half of each of our shows right now. Of all of those guys, which ones do I think have the best shot at Roto value the rest of the way? Uh, Okonwu and Collins. Okongwu and Collins, uh, I would say probably in that order, actually. If you're looking at him and thinking, can they sustain some sort of games cap measure? Over on the Washington side, Chris stops it's good to have Kristaps these days. It's good to have Kristaps almost any day this year. He's number fifteen and he's played in fifty-six ball games this season. Pretty amazing stuff. Number eleven by totals. One of the biggest wins in fantasy. That's fun, but that's all there is to that one. Um, Monte Morris came back, played seventeen minutes off the bench. He and DeLon Wright are probably going to be sparring for minutes down the stretch, but I still like DeLon regardless. He's been amazing. He's the lead leader in steals in the NBA, and he got three more of them yesterday. And then in terms of the other guys on the Wizards, so uh, Daniel Gafford, Danny Avdia, Corey Kispert, those guys are all scheduled streams right now too. Gafford, by the way, left and returned to this game twice with weird little nagging injuries, and frankly, that's enough reason for me to not want him... As a rest of season play, and call him a schedule stream because he's just like not healthy enough to stay in every ball game right now. There's never any notes on the Cleveland Cavaliers, so we can just jump right over them. I know Isaac Okoro had a slightly better ball game, but I think we've learned by March that that doesn't really matter. Uh, Victor Oladipo five turnovers, um, but you have to like the 32 minutes for him. So Oladipo might actually be slightly above a schedule stream, or you could potentially just call him the world's finest schedule stream right now. Uh, Kyle Lowry apparently is getting close. Gabe Vincent isn't even really doing anything right now anyway, so who cares? Kevin Love came back from his bruised rib. He played 21 minutes. Caleb Martin played 30. Those two guys are just bouncing back and forth. Kevin Love is a schedule stream. Caleb Martin is kind of... uh, Sort of like a bad one. Struess is also a bad one. Tyler Hero was a little bit better, I guess, but, you know, who cares? All right, let's get into the big news. Big news number one and two. New Orleans lost Brandon Ingram in the second quarter. Or early third? Early third. Uh, Dallas lost Luka a little bit later in said third quarter. Luka Doncic dealing with a thigh strain. Brandon Ingram dealing with an ankle sprain terrific! Sorry about your head-to-head teams if you have any of these guys on them because all of a sudden your team just sort of goes up in smoke all at once, and if you have more than one of them, it's end of days for you. I will say on the Dallas side, look, the Tim Hardaway Jr., who we talked about yesterday, he's on one of his little hot runs right now, and you can play him while he's this hot, but just be aware that we know how this goes for Timmy. When Hardaway's hot, he's real hot. 5 three, four, five, six, three-pointers a game. He's even getting steals right now, which is all um, over the moon about all this stuff. But all of a sudden, it's just going to come apart on you. So just be ready. If you stream hard away, and you probably should while Luka's out, just know the wheels come off quick, and it's too late to catch it. You'll just start falling. Christian Wood is actually a big winner here. He played 26 minutes in this ball game. So already you got to see immediately, I know Maxi Klebo was sitting this one out, but immediately you saw the impact of not having Luka, which was, look, we're going to need to get somebody else in there that can handle themselves on offense. That's a creator besides Kyrie Irving, that can be a part of a pick and roll, just give the team more offensive opportunities. And so for however long Luka's out, Christian Wood probably moves back up from where he had been recently, which was, by the way, not very good. I don't think I even looked it up because I thought it was going to be too ugly. And it is. He's he been outside the top 160 over the last just under a month or so. Basically since Dallas got Kyrie Irving and then started to get a little bit healthy. Uh, his minutes probably trend up from 21, 22 to I would think maybe 25, 26 while Luka's out. And that probably pushes him back into the 100 range. Um, So would become startable again. And then on the New Orleans side... We don't really know how bad it is for Ingram. We do know that he is going to force himself through this as much as he can. They're going to be somewhat cautious, but there sort of just isn't space now for these teams that are hanging on by a thread to be cautious at all. Pels are tied with the Lakers for the final uh, two play-in spots. They host the Thunder on Saturday, so Ingram does have a couple of days off which I guess is good news, but they go Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back, uh, hosting the Thunder, hosting the Blazers, hosting the Lakers early next week. So they have these, what I would consider basically must-win games for all of the teams involved in that. And if Ingram has any shot of playing, he's going to try to play in that ball game. So, at least on the Ingram front, I don't think I would panic. I bet we see him for one of those two games over the weekend, but maybe I'm being overly optimistic here. Uh, we haven't really gotten a full report on how bad it is, so cross your fingers. In the meantime, other stuff going on here. Uh, you know, Ingram being down means way more shots for CJ McCollum, who took 22 of them in yesterday's ball game. Trey Murphy kept his starting job despite Josh Richardson coming back. I would assume Richardson sees more playing time if Ingram does miss any ball games here, uh, and they'll slide. Trey Murphy and Herb Jones up from shooting guard small forward to small forward power and, and slot Richardson in as the shooting guard. But you know, I guess we'll see on that front. Herb Jones has been a hold for a long time. He's been a top 100 asset basically while anybody's been out for that team and someone's been out for that team for the entire season. I think the Pelicans were healthy for four games in November. And that's it. Which is kind of insane because then Ingram was out forever and then Zion's been out forever. So Trey's a stream, easy call. Herb is a play. CJ, duh. And then I think probably you get down to Richardson uh, if Ingram does miss any time. Jonas Valanciunas was absolutely horrible in this ballgame. He had five turnovers in seven minutes, and then they just pulled the plug on it and went smaller. Jackson Hayes got a bunch of run at center. Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez saw 15 minutes. I think, in general here, you can roll with Valanciunas when there's no Larry Nance. And uh, as awful as this game was, and it truly was one of the worst fantasy games I've ever seen, JV will be better in the next one. Boston blew out the Trailblazers. Not a whole lot to take away from this one. I think you can, you know, Matisse Thybul only playing 20 minutes is somewhat notable. I would actually demote Thybul to a schedule stream. That's the move I would make from this Blazers game. Cam Reddish actually was still decent, so keep rolling with him until we hear from uh, Anthony Simons. Over on the Boston side, uh, you know, no Time Lord. Big Al, they'll try to keep his minutes down if they're in a blowout. He's been really, really good, actually. End of season, Al Horford, don't forget. He ratchets it up when he can start to smell the finish line, and I think he feels like Boston wants to try to catch Milwaukee now, so I would expect some decent games for Big Al here coming up down the stretch. Not a good schedule for Boston the rest of this week. So that's unfortunate. Derek White had a big ball game, and, you know, he'll kind of come and go a little bit. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon didn't. So that's why you got more Derek White, but no big fantasy takeaways for the Celtics. Chicago came in and just pants Denver. This is a pretty weird one. Jokic, for the first time since November, shot under 50% for a ball game. Not by much, mind you. what did he go? Seven for 16. So he was one field goal make away, but he went one for four at the free throw line, five turnovers. This is a very ugly game by certainly by Jokic standards. Um, KCP had three steals and he was basically the only nugget to survive this slaughtering. It was ugly from start to finish. You never see Denver play a game like this. They, they were just awful. Aaron Gordon, four for nine, at the free throw line. Yikes. I don't think you can say it's any one thing that Chicago did. It just seemed like Denver was drunk. Patrick Williams had a nice ball game, but he has not been able to keep that up for more than two or three games in a row at any point this year, so just kind of keep shuffling along. This is a nothing of a ball game. And then, of course, Phoenix. Uh Kevin Durant. I'm so I'm so upset about this Kevin Durant thing. Mostly because it means that I, I there's just no way that I can win my 30 deep team anymore. I would argue that I probably had the second best team in 30 deep this year, and I held on to a top two seed despite missing KD for eight weeks, and here he came around, and he was getting his bearings last week during my buy, and I was all excited here, even in a two gamer. And now I'm going to get a zero out of him. And now there's a report that the Suns are worried that KD might be dealing actually with a grade two, which would probably keep him out the rest of the regular season. But you know we don't know anything yet this morning, so I don't want to plant a bunch of terrifying rumors right now. But uh, he left the arena in a walking boot, so he ain't playing in their next ball game unless some sort of miracle happens. I would assume KD's out for at least one to two weeks. And, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, he's an older dude, and uh, this type of stuff happens, but this is pretty fluky. What a pain. Well, if you're looking for any kind of small win in all of this, it's not Terrence Ross. He came in, he had one of his crazy heater games. It would be Josh Okogie, because we saw him actually post really nice lines before KD uh, showed up. And I know he didn't really do it in this one. They didn't need him to. Devin Booker was way too hot, and so it didn't matter. Um, but I would assume that Josh Okogi now is a pickup for at least the next one to two weeks in pretty much any format. So get your okogi streams rolling. Otherwise, uh, you know, luckily Phoenix was shooting the ball so damn well that most of their main guys were able to put up fantasy numbers before this game got out of hand. And Chris Paul actually, I would argue... This might be have been Chris Paul's best game of the year. 18 points, uh, blow the roof off the building, but four boards, nine assists, four steals, four threes, six out of eight shooting, made both of his free throws. It's been a weird year for percentages for Chris Paul. Um, and then he's, all, he's taken a little bit of a back seat uh, while they've been working in Kevin Durant, uh, but he's still number 38, which is right around his ADP on a per-game basis. Is there a chance still for him to get the percentages up where they have been throughout his entire career? Probably not. But anyway, it was fun for a night. What about OKC? Well, they rested Shea, so uh, that mucked things up for this ball game. Jalen Williams is dealing with that sprained wrist, and he missed both halves of their... Was this a back-to-back or was this an every other day? I guess it doesn't really matter. He's missed their last two ball games. It was a back-to-back. And that makes me a little bit nervous, because when he missed the first one, I think we all looked at it like, well, are they just being super careful? But now I feel like we can safely say he is actually hurt a little bit. No, you're not adding Lindy Waters, and we got hot in this one ball game. No, you're not adding Trey Mann. This was a blowout. They went to the roulette wheel in OKC and just kind of punted early. Let's just assume that Shea is back for at least one half of their upcoming back-to-back. And typically... You can roll Isaiah Joe when Shea sits. It's just that he went one for eight shooting and the game was over before anybody could do anything in the second half, basically. And so you got a whole lot of crap. Clippers beat the Raptors 108-100. At least nobody got hurt in this ballgame, although Freddie Van Fleet unloaded on the officials after the ballgame. He will be fined. I don't think they would do more than that for uh, comments in a postgame presser, but, you know, there you go. For the Raptors... It shouldn't be too surprising that Jakob Pertl has slowed down a little bit. He was a first rounder for his first 5 or 6 games after joining the Raptors. He's going to be good down the stretch. His minutes are there, but you know, he's not going to average like 15 and 12 with five defensive stats per ball game. That's just nobody does that. Not even JJJ does that. I would expect, frankly, games more like this one from Jakob, which is still good, nearly a double-double with a couple of defensive stats. And he didn't go to the free throw line, which is a small win in a in an array of small wins on the Jakob Pirtle front. Uh, so just enjoy what I think is probably going to be more like top 50-ish for Jakob the rest of the way. Not not top 12. Chris Boucher had a decent game off the bench, but you can't trust that in 15 minutes. Gary Trent is very hit or miss. And if he's miss, they're just not going to play him as much. And he went 2 for 11 in this ballgame, so he didn't get played as much. You just need him to be hot. Freddie Van Vliet had been on a pretty bit, uh, like a nice little two, three-game heater coming into this one. Um, shot wasn't dropping as much. Still got his assists and his steals. If you're a Lakers fan, you're hoping that maybe he does cool off a tad, but I don't know. Feels like he's going to be mad after this last one. <laughs> Why would you say that, Dan? Oh, boy. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, another big ball game for Kawhi. He's been pretty unbelievable after what was, I don't think we can sugarcoat it, an absolute disaster of a start to the season. He basically missed the first two months, uh, but over the last now, I mean, you call it about three months, 30 games or so, he's been a top five fantasy play. And over the last 25 games for Kawhi, which is about two months worth, he's number two Behind Dame, Dame's been number one over that stretch. Then Kawhi, Shea, Embiid, Jokic, Kyrie, Porzingis. This is per game, by the way, over the last two months. That's your top seven. I know, a couple of surprising names in there. Well, really, Porzingis is probably your surprising name in there. The other ones, eh, all those other guys have kind of been there. And then, you know, Shea this year. But, yeah, Kawhi's been unreal. For about two and a half months now, and if he can do it for one more month, he probably salvages his season. He's number 14 per game overall this year. Lots of missed games early in the season, but guess what? He's up to number 54 by totals now. That's crazy to think about, but it's real. Uh, Ivica Zubac continues to hold off Mason Plumley. It feels like he probably will. If it hasn't happened yet, I don't think he's going to lose that gig. Um, PG wasn't as good in this ballgame but you're not going to worry too much about him Russ is the other guy you're keeping an eye on he played just 23 minutes here he was a plus 12 which is the best on the team still it feels like some of that was good fortune in addition to the Clippers using him in kind of a different role which is as the screener and short roll man so now he's going to be expected to basically play like a power forward spot in, their, in that offense uh, because he's not dangerous as a pick-and-pop guy. Um, but for other teams, they're going to have to know now that if they go try to trap whoever it might have been, Kawhi or PG, typically the other guy, ball-handle there, then Russ is going to roll uh, at least part of the way to the rim. I just, like, you can pretty much abandon Russ if he's beyond the three-point line, so I, I don't know why you don't play a different coverage there. It feels like maybe Toronto missed an opportunity to change things up, but who knows? Maybe they did change things up partway when I wasn't watching, and that's why Russ didn't play later. Anyway, Russ didn't play later. That's the point. Terrence Mann played the final 16 consecutive minutes of this ball game and was running on fumes by the end of it, and Russ didn't play in the fourth quarter, which, I mean, I think the Clippers kind of figured out you probably shouldn't play Russ in the fourth quarter unless you are trying to catch lightning in a bottle they were up so there was no reason to try to catch lightning they already had it in the bottle all they needed to do was not let the little lid off i had a great metaphor going and then i stumbled over my words what are you gonna do man hey mid-show reminder that we got a couple of things going on at sports ethos that you guys all need to be aware of number one ethos fantasy bb is our baseball feed it is growing like a weed right now ethos fantasy bb is the baseball feed i will post that in our youtube chat so you guys can uh just click that link or whatever the simplest way is to check out the baseball feed and why should you do it well because we've got the baseball draft guide available in our fantasy pass right now it's just 5.99 per month It also includes our NBA Premium, so that'll take you here one month from today, actually. It's a perfect time to get it, because you'll get exactly one month of the Fantasy Pass, which will take you to the final day of the NBA regular season. That'll give you access to our Premium Discord, our pickups of the night, uh, which, by the way, the Premium Discord has a 24-7 pro chat going with our uh, Ethos Fantasy Pros, then you'd also get the Baseball Draft Guide. You'd also get the Baseball In-Season Premium, because that would actually run... Baseball starts, what, March 29th, something like that? So you'd actually get a week and a half of in-season baseball content as well. And if you love it, just let it ride. Because if you let it ride, you get baseball all season long, and you get the Brewski 150 next year early. That's only available to people who leave their Fantasy Pass on during the basketball off-season. It's a special plus-five offer that we go around here. That's all over at SportsEthos.com. Click on the Premium tab, and I'm going to try to get that link available uh, for the live YouTube viewers as well. You click on the Premium tab, choose Get Premium, and make sure you're choosing the Fantasy Pass at the resultant page. It's the $5.99 a month deal. There is no monthly lock When if you get it now during baseball season the way that there is during uh, NBA Draft Guide season. There's the link I put up on the page here for YouTubers. Uh, But everybody else in the chat, you can just click on it. $5.90 a month. Please go get that. It really does help power our locomotive. Um, And if you've got the Fantasy Pass already for basketball, it's already in there. Congrats. You already got it. I love it. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention over at Sports Ethos is that we are recruiting. We continue to recruit. We have so many new podcasts in the works right now. It's actually really sweet how fast our pod division is growing which is a my baby. I love this pod division. David Williams, host of our Grizzlies pod, has been an unbelievable help as the pod division manager um, to grow it and teach everybody kind of how to do this thing. It's amazing. I'm so thrilled about all of this stuff. So thank you to everybody that's reached out already. And if you haven't, you could do so uh, by hitting me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I'm going to make that text bigger for the YouTubers at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go find me over on social media. Hit me up if you want to be a part of what we're doing over here at Sports Ethos. And then, of course, like and subscribe if you're watching already. But if you're not, please do check us out on YouTube.com Sportsethos Sports Ethos today. Okay, so that's phase one of the show complete, uh, which is the, the look back at everything that happened yesterday and, and whatever that might mean for you guys going forward. Now it's time for phase two, which is schedule stream time. And again, anybody that's watching live, you can actually see what I'm doing on the schedule stream. Uh, everybody else, I will do my best to try to paint a picture for you guys as we work our way through it. It is now Thursday. And as we talked about earlier in the week, this is when you want to start cashing in some of the moves that we were judicious about saving earlier in the week. And the reason for that is, this is the last opportunity you will have to get players that still have three games left this week. Now, if you're down to one move left on the week, I don't think you can use it yet. I don't think you can use it yet because there's still a really good chance, unfortunately, a higher than zero, probably higher than 50% chance, That someone on your team is going to get hurt between today and the end of the week. And frankly, you probably had someone on your team get hurt last week. Or yesterday, I should say. Not last week. So you need to save at least one move for, I would say, Saturday. Because there are a couple teams that have a back-to-back over the weekend. I think there's three or four of them, actually. uh, Where you can cash in those moves, or one move at that point, to uh, abandon ship on an injured player, Or abandon ship on a team that doesn't play over the weekend, which I believe is just... No, Minnesota and Toronto. Neither one of them goes Saturday or Sunday. So let's say you have two or more moves left this week. If you have all four of your moves, you need to start using them because you're officially now kind of in use-it-or-lose-it territory on schedule stream. Three, I would say use at least one today possibly two. I might try to get down to one move left after today. One move left for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the reason I say that again is because every schedule play move you make, I want you guys to be trying to find a way to get two extra games played out of that move. And right now, it's actually pretty easy to do because there are There are actually a a pretty large number of teams left this week that only have one game left. Those teams are the Boston Celtics, the Chicago Bulls, the Dallas Mavericks, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Phoenix Suns, and the Toronto Raptors. There are seven teams left that only have one game remaining this week. And then on the flip side of that, there are three teams that still have three games left this week. And on those three teams, there are actually a couple of them that have streamable, schedule stream level guys. Those three teams that still have three games left this week are Brooklyn, Charlotte, and the New York Knicks. I don't know why I said New York Knicks. I could have just said Knicks. So the next thing you want to do is you want to look a little bit ahead and see, okay, well, can I long stream these guys in any way? And the answer is kind of, sort of. Brooklyn plays Tuesday, Thursday next week, which isn't great, but it's not a disaster. So if you picked up a net and you wanted to try to hold on to a weekly move until the middle of the end of next week, you could do it. Because two games the first four days of next week is very average. It doesn't hurt you all that much. Obviously, you know, you're know you picking up a player that you're not that thrilled about having, um, but it's not the end of the world. In the way that with Charlotte, it is the end of the world you don't want to hold a Charlotte Hornet past Tuesday of next week. They have a game on Tuesday, not Monday, and then they have one game the next five days after that. So Charlotte, you could not hold beyond Tuesday, but that would still be a six-day stream where, you know, with Brooklyn, you could maybe go as far as eight. And then the Knicks, uh, they are similar to Charlotte. Believe it or not, actually worse because they have three days off after Tuesday of next week. But these teams are all in the Four in six bucket if you wanted to go that far. But you don't have to. You could abandon ship after Sunday if you really wanted to. Still, I think I would try to stretch it a little bit longer if you're getting anything at all out of the players that you're picking up. And there are some guys that should hit your radar because Brooklyn is resting a bunch of dudes today, which means that guys like Cam Thomas come into the into the mix. Uh, lately, Royce O'Neal has been kind of interesting, although I think he's resting in this one. Dorian Finney-Smith has been very much a streamable-level guy. I don't like Joe Harris or Seth Curry, but with some guys resting, they become schedule stream-level guys. With Charlotte, Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of a schedule stream guy. Uh, Nick Richards is a schedule stream guy. With the Knicks, you could make an argument that Quentin Grimes is a schedule stream guy. Isaiah Hartenstein has been kind of a schedule stream guy. So these guys are not going to blow the roof off the building. We're mostly talking about dudes playing... Between 20 and 25 minutes, with the exception of like a Finney Smith or sometimes Grimes gets a little bit above that. But you're just looking, do the math in your head of minutes played, basically, at this point. The guy that you're dropping on one of those seven teams we talked about needs to be someone outside the top 50 unless your season is ending at the end of this week. That's a different bird, obviously, Then you abandon ship on anybody who doesn't have a good schedule over the next four days. But assuming your season is continuing beyond the end of this week, you do need to be concerned about who you're dropping. But I would argue that, you know, on a team even like Boston, like, you guys are going to kill me for this, but someone like a Malcolm Brogdon, that's droppable. He's been good this year, but... He hasn't been nearly good enough to be like, oh, well, this is a guy that I absolutely positively must have on my roster next week when their schedule gets better. Yeah, it would be good. Someone might pick him up in that instance. But, you know, he's number 97. He's averaging 15, 4, and 4 on the year. You think you can't get 15, 4, and 4 from three games of one of these other dudes? That means someone needs to average 5, 1.3, and 1.3. That's a garbage-level player. You can get that out of any of these dudes over a three-game span. And presumably, you would get quite a bit more. So that's what we're talking about. These guys that are ranked near 100, three games versus one, it's not close. And then the calculus, as you look towards the following week, actually, in my opinion, you know, it might change which slot is becoming your streaming slot. That's why long streaming is so important, because someone you picked up as a long streamer might just become a roster slot you have to sit on for a while so Boston was just one example I already said there's you know there's seven teams that only have one game the rest of this week there are a lot of players on those seven teams that should be kicked to the curb because they are worse than you know whatever like if you're if your fantasy league goes into next week and you're probably not dropping anybody inside the top 75 on those teams. But outside of that, I think you should strongly consider it. And frankly, anybody on those teams that's outside the top 90 should almost be a must drop at this point, unless your week is like beyond locked up. Because I know someone's gonna be like, oh, I got this thing in the bag. It's like, okay, fine. Well, that doesn't apply to you then. This discussion is for teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, or at least in like a mildly competitive matchup and thinking, okay, like how cutthroat should I be? How cutthroat should I be? the final four days of this week. And the answer is basically anyone not inside the top 50 is a candidate to get cut. And if your matchup is remotely close, it's anybody not inside the top 75. If you are, if you're in jeopardy of losing, it's, you know, anyone outside the top 50. If you're in a good fight, it's top 75. And frankly, even if you're in like pretty good position, I'd probably still drop anyone outside the top 100 on those teams that have one game left the rest of this week. And I would do that until I'm down to one move left the rest of the week. Because by tomorrow, by Friday, you're only looking at three games left. The best case scenario is a team with two games, which is like half the league has about two games left Friday through Sunday. I wouldn't use that move on Friday, to be clear. Uh, you're saving it for Saturday, Your last one move, you should probably use up on Saturday to get someone on a back-to-back to to close out the week because two games from almost anybody is better than one game from almost anyone. It's not quite as severe as the three versus one we talked about today, but I don't think you should be saving a move till Sunday this week because, I mean, I guess Saturday versus Sunday is a similar thing, but if you're saving it till Sunday, you're probably using it to replace someone who's banged up. Also, take a peek at your roster. Saturday is a possible overflow day, so uh, you might get stuck there. You might not need to use a move on that day if you have all of your roster slots full. Saturday still gets my vote if you need an extra game played and you don't have a full roster, but if obviously if you do, you push that to Sunday. So today's a day to use up a lot of your moves that you save throughout the week because it's a great opportunity to get two extra games played per move you make That's a huge deal. Huge deal. And then the rest will probably save till Saturday or maybe even Sunday, meaning the last one, effectively. And that's how I would stream this week. Tomorrow on the show, because we do wrap up this week tomorrow. We're not doing shows over the weekend. I know it's the playoffs, and you guys probably wish that I did. We don't. Dano, I'm running out of gas, man. Tomorrow, not only are we going to look at the streams you should make for the weekend, but also how that carries you into the beginning of next week. So that's where we really start to pivot back into the longer long streams, which is six days or more, and who you might be able to find, even potentially as early as a Saturday. And everybody that's watching on YouTube can see me kind of highlight things on your board of five, six, seven days, whatever it is. You're looking Saturday through basically the following Saturday or Sunday. Is there anybody that makes sense that you could pick up and just roll with pretty long-term? So you're probably looking for someone that's starting with a back-to-back, and then do they have a good schedule to follow that up? No. Most of them, the answer is no. Um, but there are a few teams in there that if you went from, like, Saturday to Saturday, you could get five games in eight days. That would be a, a decent stream. There will be some six-day four-and-sixes that we'll look at. There are plenty of those that start on Saturday. And so that's all in the mix there. Uh, YouTubers, hang out with me after the show. We'll do our Q&A over in the chat room. Recorded, folks, we will see you first thing tomorrow. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris, over on Twitter. For Sports Ethos, this is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Until the next one.